What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Hey everybody, it is Jalen Bledsoe. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. This episode is titled Kindergarten Economics, Inflation, and Recession. So yesterday, I spoke with a group of students at a local film camp. I'll be honest, I was thinking it was a group of high schoolers as I was planning to go, but as I arrived and did a tour of the facility before walking into the auditorium, I saw headshots on the wall. And on that wall were headshots with markings on them, and those markings said their ages. Those ages ranged from 7 to 15 years old. I quickly pivoted the conversation plan in my mind because what I thought I was going to talk about in terms of level had to change because there's obviously 7-year-olds in the room, but I'll be honest, I didn't need to. I made it more interactive, which definitely shaped the conversation as we went along, and that's how we got to this podcast. I expected to talk about creative and being in the entertainment industry in some way, shape, or form in those intersections, but I was completely wrong. I did an intro to give some context on who I was and the journey, talked a bit about creative intersections, then it quickly turned. In the first few minutes, a few kids told me they had businesses, which they are also 10, 11, 12, which makes sense. I was the same age, so we're on the same page, we think. Then as the conversation went on, based on the back and forth of the questions, we got into stock and crypto, which it's 22, still makes sense, whatever. Then with a group of seven to 15 year olds, we began to talk about inflation and recession. No, this was not in my script or in my plan, this was at their request. Mind-blowing, right? This, this reminded me of a question that a friend asked me this week, and that's how we got to this podcast. So I'm going to play that question, and then we'll jump right into the conversation. This is a random question that I could type on Google, but I don't know that I can word it on Google to the point to where I would be able to get an answer. But maybe you'll know. So also, hi, hope you're doing well. But my question is, when inflation happens and everything, like all the prices skyrocket, does, okay, how do I say this? Does inflation like go away or are the new prices that have happened with inflation the new low and we just keep, like, does this make sense, right? So if gas, I mean, I don't know if gas is a good example, but, or if ketchup is now $3.99 and it used to be $2.99, right? Well, are we ever going to see ketchup be $2.99 again? Or will $3.99 become the new normal? And then we just hope that it doesn't go up. I don't know if that makes sense. Maybe I'm answering my own question. Okay, bye. 
Hey, thank you for contacting the Black Google. Hope you're doing well today. Uh, I will give it a shot at answering your question. So what I'm understanding your question to be, I'm kidding, uh, but you're asking essentially is will the market deflate opposite inflation? So uh, as an example with gas and what we're seeing with commodities, let's say gas was at $4 in January. Let's say it's $7 now, or, you know, as of June. Since June, as they've been looking to tighten the, the interest rates and tighten up the market and put more supply into the market across the board, we're seeing fuel and other commodities uh, drop down to, let's say, from four to seven, coming back down to like 550 or six. So what we'll see with catch up and across the market is from that 299 to 399 point, we'll see maybe a, a, a 350 uh, come about. And then that'll kind of be the new base, but there's going to be up and down that we probably won't go immediately back to where we were, uh, mainly because across the economy, what should be happening is a cost of living increase. And so as gas goes up, employers are going to pay their employees or they should be paying their employees. Let's say if inflation's 10%, they should be paying their employees a 5% or 7% or 10% cost of living increase. As those companies are taking that increase, they're going to take that as a higher cost of creating their product or their services. So then they'll mark up their pricing to accommodate that increase. And so as a result, kind of what we're getting paid should catch up or get close to by cost of living increases or just general raises or you know quitting your job, looking for a new job, get you closer to where inflation has taken us. So yeah, we may see a slight deflation, but that's going to be more just in market volatility versus, you know, four to seven big spike. We may get back down to like six, six fifty, maybe five seventy five, but not back down to four. Hope that answers your question. So that is, in simple terms, inflation. Um, but considering the topic that came up yesterday with eleven year olds, and of course that question on ketchup and inflation. I want to take a second to talk to each of you um, in my audience, my friends, and my community about where we're currently at and what we could be doing to protect ourselves in this crazy economic space and season that we're in. I'm going to call this episode Kindergarten Economics, Inflation, and Recession. Ultimately, this is not financial advice that you should take solely based on the podcast. These antidotes are my personal opinion and my experiences. You should talk to your own licensed financial advisor before making any decisions with your money. Today, my goal is to cover enough information on each topic to give some directional insights to start conversations. If there's any area you want me to further break down, let me know on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook at Jalen Bledsoe, or email me at digital at jalenbledsoe.com. So let's start with inflation. The simple breakdown is prices of goods increase, so as a result, the strength of the dollar decreases. The best measurement of this is the Consumer Price Index, the CPI. That is a measure of the average change over time and the prices paid by urban consumers for a market basket of consumer goods and services. Average price data for select utility, automotive fuel, and food items are also available. Gas, and in that example, ketchup. The current average CPI, the increase over the last 12 months, has been 9.1%. On average, for food, that's been 10.4%, and on gas, that is 41%, and this is as of June. CPI is a retrospective report versus a current or forward-looking report. 
That 9.1% CPI increase is the highest it's been since November of 1981, from 8.6% in May and above market forecast of 8.8%. So how do we protect ourselves against inflation? So number one, we have to review and reassess our budget. So if gas is up 41% year over year and our income is not up 41% year over year, that means the cost and percentage of our budget spent per mile that we drive increases. That means we have to reconsider those casual night drives or even those super long road trips that we plan for the summer, unless you're electric and your electric is off the grid coming from the sun. Uh, same thing with food. You have to be mindful of, you know, if that same burger you were eating has increased, you know, 10%, that means every burger, every calorie costs 10% more than what it has before. So just being mindful of the overall budget to be sure that we are not increasing our overall output against our income in this season. So number two, in any inflationary market that wasn't walking right into a recession like right now, I would 100% say go invest in the stock market. You take that today with a little bit of grain of salt because the tech bubble, the market drops, the stock volatility that's happening right now might be a little bit scary for someone who's looking at the short-term planning of this inflation market. The annualized return of the S&P 500 is 10.49%. So in the long term, you'll beat the annual inflation, which is 3.8%. So I'm not saying if you invest now, between now and next month, you'll make 10%. But over the course of a year or multiple years, that average should be at around 10%. Number three, real estate. Not purely your personal home, but also the overall rentals market. You know, I would say go buy some rental houses, but even in this market with inflation, inflation being crazy and interest rates being high, it may not be accessible for everybody to just go and invest in a house for rent. So I have an easy option for you. That is a REIT, a real estate investment trust, which also provides greater utility. REITs are not just specific to rental homes. It's overall income generating real estate properties and investments. So there's a few examples of those. Number one, an equity REIT. This owns and operates income producing real estate that includes retail, residential, healthcare, offices, etc., as well as a mortgage REIT, which holds mortgages on a real estate property. And of course that makes money from the interest. And there's a hybrid and those own both properties and hold mortgages. There are a few different formats for REITs. The easiest is a publicly traded REIT that's on the stock market. That is one that you and I can easily invest in. Number two, with of course a higher minimum investment, that will be a public non-traded REIT. These are registered with the SEC, but they're not on the stock market. So once you invest, it's a little bit harder to get out of those. And then thirdly, a private REIT, which is traditionally institutional investors. So not me or you, but the companies that have tons of money. Uh, these are not registered with the SEC and they are not publicly traded. Why are REITs of value? Because they must pay out 90% or more of their taxable profit to the shareholders, you, in the form of dividends. So that, as a bucket, is inflation. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! <sighs> and this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! 
Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In some ways, we can protect and hedge against it. Let's dig into recession. So, a recession is a macroeconomic term that refers to a significant decline and general economic activity in a designated region. The National Bureau of Economic Research, NBER, which officially declares recessions, defines a recession as a significant decline in economic activity spread across the economy, lasting more than a few months, normally visible in real GDP, gross domestic product, real income employment, industrial production, and wholesale retail sales. Recession, simple, Economic activity pulls back. The cause or the effect of a degree of a decrease in individual income, so less to spend. So yesterday, AT&T's quarterly earnings report in their letter, they spoke to customers making payments, but making them later than their due date. If this goes from late to non-payments, that pushes us closer to a recession, which honestly is both a cause and an effect of the high inflation market and, of course, the interest rate spikes from the Fed, which I'll talk about later. So Google, Microsoft, Tesla, Facebook, Apple, so many of our favorite tech companies have announced hiring freezes or layoffs, which is a sign of and a potential fire of a recession. See, a Barron's article shared this and thought it was interesting. People are unhappy with inflation, which at 8.3% has been recently running at its highest since 1982. But inflation is not recession, which is defined as a significant decline in economic activity. Economic activity is not falling. Quite contrary, it is booming. Well, that has been the case for the last year. In COVID, we saw so much cash infused in the market, a lot of savings from not, having to, from not being able to travel and not having to drive to work. But now we're in a space where economic activity might be tilting. So how do we protect against inflation? So not inflation, against recession. But before I dig into that, I want to just break down something. Inflation, things are getting more expensive. Recession, we're spending less in the market because we can't afford as many things, which in turn means companies may not be selling as much as they plan to sell at those higher costs, which means their income could decrease, which means they begin to reduce their expenses and reducing their expenses means reducing their staff. So number one on how we protect against recession. So if we're currently unemployed or if you're looking for a job, let's lock that job in as quickly as possible. I mean, right now in this moment might be the best time because job openings are at a high and unemployment is at a low for the time being. Number two, Housing-related recommendations are probably too late. You know, earlier in the inflationary journey, I could have said, go sell your house, buy a house, and lock in that original interest rate that was really low or refinance to get it low based on where the market was. 
as the market shifts, the housing competitiveness is changing slightly. You may, you may not be getting a million offers for your house, but you may be getting two or three based off of how well that house is priced in the market. You know, so I think you still have a space to sell and buy. My concern is just the quickly rising interest rates. Number three would be several months of an emergency fund in cash. With unpredictability, layoffs, or a downturn in your business or in your income, having cash on hand to manage a few months of unemployment or significantly reduced income and cash flow is really vital. Number four, stocks. It may be time to move out of the stock market that were not out of the market, but out of those stocks that were on fire in 2021. Moving out of those growth stocks, you know, the Asanas or the GameStops or the AMCs and moving the stocks that are focused on paying dividends, paying their shareholders a piece of the profit once a quarter, which would be four times a year. Number five, I'm saying to minimize credit card balances, especially those with higher interest rates. And if you can't afford to pay those off right now, go ahead and move those into low or no interest rate cards. Those sometimes give you no interest rate for up to 12 months, and sometimes I've seen as crazy as 24 months. All in all, just plan. There's no need to panic. You know, just pull back on the impulsive purchases and stick to your budget. You know, I'm really big on planning my cash. So I have documents in Excel that measure what's coming in, what's going out, and where those dollars are being spent month to month. So this has kind of just been a broader topic, and I want to talk to those who are in a space of business. You have a business, you're an entrepreneur, you have your own team, you're paying salaries of people or paying fees to contractors. So personally, this is a great time to be considering cost of living increases. Your employees' accounts are growing thinner and thinner compared to their plan at the top of the year. If margins can afford to do it, go ahead and pay a little bit more to your employees to help them get through the season um, as the cost of living increases. If your margins can hold it and maintain healthy reserves to be sure that you're in a position to maintain a loss of income or or volatility over the next coming months. From a revenue perspective for entrepreneurs, aggressively look at client development for the rest of this year. I think this year, excuse me, this year will be tough as businesses are also in the same space of understanding what their income could be over the rest of this fiscal year. So once you get a little planning in for this year, jump and aggressively look at 2023 January. Throughout the rest of this year, 23 will be a big moment for us to look at how we can secure income, hopefully on the back end of this recession. I think by the top of next year, we'll be in a much better space and moving forward strongly. Um, I think beyond the income portion of how we're securing new income, I'll be focusing as well on how we're maintaining or keeping clients on our roster, even if it's not increasing revenue, even if it comes with a slight decrease in revenue. So as you look into quarter four, be looking at how you can offer price breaks or delay payment allowances to your clients, because as their budgets get tighter, you rather give them space and flexibility versus them having to back out or cancel their contracts all and all. I was talking to a few friends the other night about a mutual friend or a friend of theirs who is a landlord of some residential properties here in St. Louis, let's say 30 to 40 houses. In the midst of the pandemic, 
he sent a notice to all of his tenants, um, essentially saying, we're all in this together. It's going to get crazy. Who knows what's going to happen? So if you can't make rent in a particular month, no worries at all. I understand we'll make it work together. And crazy enough, in the course of that year, year and a half, two years of the pandemic, not one person missed their rent and did not need to take advantage of any crazy delayed rent deferral. One renter circled back in particular and thanked the landlord because that freedom allowed them to breathe and navigate the pandemic with a plan versus having to panic. And so giving that freedom to your clients, to your tenants, to those who are paying you is really important as that allows them the room and space to breathe through what they're doing and plan versus having to panic and maybe cancel their contract or relationship with you until things are in a better space. You know, all in all, I think we've, we've learned a few things over the last 100 years of economic downturns and recessions. You know, bankruptcies happen, we pivot, we plan, we innovate. And as a result, millionaires are made in economic downturns and recessions. So by planning, you can hopefully avoid that bankruptcy and you can walk out in a much better financial space than others who are not planning and are panicking. Think smart, be smart. Podcasts like this, books that are out there, other conversations and podcasts are available on the internet to figure out how to plan through this season. And of course, having a licensed financial advisor will be important. So let's finish out this conversation on interest rate rate heights. And so I think you've heard about them in the context of mortgage rates, right? So the Fed which is the Central Bank of America, they're trying to slow spending, which of course is allowing or spurring inflation um, due to the extremely cheap cost of money over the last year. You know, last year, interest rates were at an all-time low, and now we're hearing about them increasing in the context of mortgage rates, I think in the most simple terms. So let's just look at how this rate increase and how these rate increases are going to impact, you know, what that means for our mortgages. So Let's break it down in the example of a $100,000 loan on a 30-year term. $100,000 loan on a 30-year term. So at a 2% interest, that loan payment, that mortgage payment, would be $320 per month versus at 6%, it would be $600 per month. Double, right? In the course of, really, it was three or four months of interest rate increases. We went from $300 a month on a $100,000 mortgage to $600 per month on a $100,000 mortgage. Significant difference. Now let's say you're on the on the low end of that qualifying range for mortgage, which ultimately you can't be paying out more than 33, 34% of your income on a mortgage. So let's bump this example to a $300,000 loan for better visual, better understanding. So a $300,000 loan on a 30 year term at 2% interest is $1,109 per month. That means your minimum annual income is roughly $40,000 a year, right? Pretty easy. But at 6% interest, that same loan of $300,000 on a 30-year loan, 30-year term, is $1,799 a month. That means your annual minimal income is roughly $65,000 a year. That means to afford that, you would have to have increased your income by 62% in the course of two, three, four months just to afford that same home with a bank. Now, you can't just do that because the income requires 
two years of average income at that amount. So that means your budget has reduced approximately by 40 or so percent in the course of three months. So the house you wanted for 600,000 is not the house that you're getting. The house you wanted for 300,000 is not the house that you're getting if you're on the very low end of that qualifying range. So central banks have an interesting dynamic to manage. If the market is strong, they have to increase interest rates. And if the market is slow, they have to decrease interest rates and they have to find the balance of where they can manage and balance the economy without causing a crazy inflationary market or a incredibly recessionary market. Um, and these market trends aren't specific to the US, they're also global. The European bank hiked their rates for the first time in 11 years. Now, these interest rates can get high. So context on interest rates, right? So what does this mean? Interest rates are the cost for your bank or for a bank to borrow money from a larger bank or from another bank. So ultimately, let's say you're Bank of America and they're borrowing from US Bank. If it costs them 2%, that's the cost for them to take that money and ultimately they'll charge you 4% and they'll make money on that spread of 2%. And of course, there are some other ways in, in which your bank will borrow money from the Fed, but we're not getting into that combo too deep today. So a good example of you know, this market of inflation, of inflation is between 1980 and 1981. Inflation was at 14%, and the Feds raised the interest rates to 19%. And of course, if money got that expensive, that caused a severe recession, um, but, it not, but it did put an end to the inflation that the country was seeing. Could you imagine 19% interest rate? Well, honestly, that's 19%, so it's probably 21% for the consumer. That means credit card prime rates are at 21%. That means the best rate you can get on a car is 19, 20, 21%. Your house mortgage would be unbelievable. Because again, the banks, if it costs them 19%, they have to make money off of it, which is that spread. So family, this has been a conversation on the economy. I think I got it as simple as I can get it in the 20 minutes that we've been together. I hope that you've gotten something from this conversation, a moment, an antidote that will help you start a conversation with your financial advisor, your licensed financial advisor. If there are things you want me to cover um, in the broader topic of business, finance, or tech, or even digging further to one of the topics in today's conversation, let me know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Jalen Bledsoe. And of course, email me at digital at jalenbledsoe.com. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast, for watching today's podcast, and I'll talk to you all real soon. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.